guilty, vile, helpless. What a saviour. There are days that change history. There are days that leave results that leave a lasting impact. Might be the long-awaited wedding, the birth of a child. Might be surgery that relieves relenting, unrelenting pain and grants better health and well-being. There can be days that change the course of history. Could be fire or flood that destroys everything you own. The death of a life's partner, diagnosis of terminal disease, September 11, school mass shooting, declaration of war upon Ukraine or Iran or Afghanistan. There are days that change history for nations. There are days that change history for us as individuals. Sometimes these changes leave a lasting legacy that we just can't seem to get over, that we can't seem to pass beyond, to move through. Other times, with time, we move on and forward and almost forget the significance of those events. They become less significant to us. We still remember those days, but they're not as significant as they were when they first occurred. For many of you, there have been three days that have changed the course of history for you. Three that I want to mention. The day that Jesus died on the cross. The day that he rose again. And the day that you believed in him as your Lord and Saviour. Three days that have changed the course of history for most of you. For the disciples, the devastation of grief and loss that they must have felt on this day must have been immense. But with time and with the Lord's presence, they moved on and they moved forward into a glorious future. On this Good Friday, we remember again the death of Jesus on the cross, the creator the creator God to whom we we owe our very existence sent his one and only son some 2,000 years ago for our salvation. Our salvation, that required his death on the cross. And Jesus was accordingly brutally treated, tortured, killed on our behalf. Sadly, sometimes I think our actions almost seem to say, oh, you mean that thing that happened some 2,000 years ago? Like it's almost an afterthought or that it's, it's less significant to us now. So let's return to Mark's account. Mark 15 and selected verses, beginning at verse 6. Now it was the custom at the festival to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder 
in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, they twisted together a crown of thorns and they set it on his head. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! And again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and they spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and they put his own clothes on him. They led him out to crucify him. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he didn't take it. And they crucified him, dividing up his clothes They cast lots to see what each one would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, so you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross, save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, they mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, let this king of Israel come down from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified him also hurled insults on him. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until there was it, until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran and filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. But then with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who had stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. Paul wrote these words in Timothy, 
the book of Timothy, the letter to Timothy. He said, here's a trustworthy saying, Timothy. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. If we're faithless, he remains faithful. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we endure as he endured. Consider for a moment how he endured. He's betrayed into the hands of the Jews by Judas. He was tried before Annas. Annas is a former high priest, the father-in-law of the current high priest. And during questioning, Jesus is slapped in the face by one of the Jewish officials. Well, this is just the beginning. Jesus is tried before Caiaphas, the high priest. Many accusers are brought forward. And they're becoming emboldened with their abuse of our Lord. They spit in his face. They punch him with their fists. They slap him. They taunt him. They mock him. It was Caiaphas who had already made up his mind when he had said to the Jewish council, don't you realise that it's better that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish? He'd already made up his mind. Jesus also hears Peter deny that he even knows him for the third time. In the middle of all of the confusion, the false witnesses, the accusations, the questioning, Jesus hears Peter call down curses on himself as proof that he doesn't even know Jesus. And Jesus looks directly at him. This pierced Peter's heart. But it must have also pierced Jesus' heart. Peter's denial. Jesus is then called before the entire Sanhedrin, the Jewish Supreme Court, if you like. And here it's decided that they will ask the Roman government to put Jesus to death. Pilate is in Jerusalem for one reason only, that is to control the Jews, to keep the peace, to keep rebellion at bay. Herod is the appointed king of the Jews and so to have somebody claiming to be the king of the Jews is troubling to him. And so here is Jesus standing before Pilate with accusations whizzing around him and he's not fighting back. He's not trying to protect himself or defend himself. And this is something that Pilate has never seen before. Pilate, however, knows exactly what's going on. He's been around Jerusalem long enough to know the power structure in place, the power structure within the Jewish religious community. And Pilate was amazed, and I think Pilate too was frustrated that Jesus makes no plea to declare his innocence. No plea 
to rebut, rebut the false accusations. Why did Jesus remain silent as a lamb before her shearers? Why did Jesus remain so quiet? Well, imagine if Jesus did speak. Jesus, the one who spoke the world into creation. The one who healed the leper with his spoken word. The one who calmed the sea by his voice. The one who raised Lazarus from the tomb. Come forth. And Lazarus came forth. The one who cursed the fig tree and it died. The one who cast out demons. That's why Jesus didn't speak. Jesus could have wiped out his enemies in one word. He could have called a legion of angels to his side. He could have brought the whole ordeal to an end. But he came to save his enemies. He didn't come to destroy them, to condemn them. And so he remained silent whilst they tortured him. They mocked him. They killed him. Gentleness, the word gentleness in the Greek means to keep one's strength under control. And Jesus was as gentle as a lamb before his slaughterers. Kept his strength under control. How gentle are we? How slow to anger? How calm before those who accuse us? Can we forgive? Can we practice patience, gentleness? And so Pilate had Jesus flogged before handing him over to be crucified. He had Jesus flogged. I wonder whether this was an attempt to change the mind of the crowd, seeing an innocent man suffer. Or was it to reduce the time that Jesus would spend on the cross? Maybe it was both. You see, the purpose of the flogging was to weaken the person so that they would die quicker. In one sense, was this a merciful act from Pilate? Jesus was flogged to within an inch of his life. Old Testament describes his appalling treatment. Isaiah said this, He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. There were many who were appalled at him. His appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. 
Isaiah also write, wrote, I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. And then in Psalm 22 we find this amazing account as though Jesus was speaking himself. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax, it has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs, that is Gentiles, dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and they cast lots for my garment. Jesus was tortured. No matter how much you might hate someone, it seems that there must come a point where the cruelty that the person causes you to have at least some compassion toward them. But for Jesus, it was unrelenting. The two rebels, thieves on either side, those who were just passing by, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, even the soldiers who crucified him are all mocking him. It was unrelenting. He was tormented, afflicted, persecuted, brutalised, mistreated, in a word, tortured. The sun went dark as if it were night and Jesus died. And then the great earthquake and in the temple the 10 centimetre thick curtain separating the holy place from the holy of holies is torn in two from the top to the bottom. Now we don't know how much of Jesus' deity the the centurion understood but Even in total ignorance, he's able to utter that statement of truth. Surely this man was the son of God. Surely. Jesus was tortured to death for your sin and for mine. And it's appropriate on this day to recall these events, to allow it to sink in what Jesus endured for you. He is faithful, even when we are faithless. He remains faithful. Let us never forget what the God of glory did in sending the one and only Son to be tortured to death for us all. Jesus paid it all. So I wonder where do you see yourself in this epic event? Part of the crowd, just looking on, not involved, to any great extent, but just looking on. As Peter, perhaps, denying that you know Jesus, not speaking up as one who knows and follows Jesus. One of the other disciples deserting Jesus, not showing up at all, fearful of what others might think of you or what others might do to you. 
I think we can all identify with Barabbas. Why? Because Jesus took the place of Barabbas on the cross. Barabbas didn't deserve to go free from the penalty of his misdemeanours, his sin. Neither do we deserve to be set free from the penalty of our sins. But because of Jesus' death on the cross of Calvary, all of us are set free from the curse, the penalty, the punishment of sin because Jesus died in our place. Jesus died on your cross, on my cross, our cross. It was not his cross. Now, we don't know what happened to Barabbas. There's all kinds of theories and stories and movies. And we don't know what happened to Barabbas. Did he find true freedom by finding the risen Jesus as his saviour? Or did he end up dying on another day, on another cross, because there was no change in his life? The momentous events of that day could have changed his life forever. Did he respond to the gift of life that was offered to him? Have you? We all have that same choice to make and I encourage you to continue to reflect on the cross today as this day progresses. Continue to reflect on the cross and make your response to God's most gracious offer of life through Jesus Christ.